Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Garrett Wilson. Wow! What a catch! Touchdown, Jets! That kid's amazing. Gibson on the return. Near side. I don't see any flags. Gibson inside the 30. Hits the Jets. And he's going to go. Jets win it. Touchdown. Rookie Xavier Gibson. Game over. Allen has time. Intercepted. Sauce Gardner's got it. Allen tripped up. He could not get past Jermaine Johnson. Oh, look at the speed of Brees Hall. He's done it again. Brees Lightning, 62 yards for the touchdown. And he's sacked again by Quinn Williams. What a beast, number 95 for the Jets. Listen, thank you. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeJet1. And it's time to recap day number three at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama with our friend, who is the editor over at JetNation.com, Mr. Glenn Naughton. But before we get to that, some news involving the Jets. We'll start with the resignation or mutual parting of the ways or whatever it was between the Jets and Rex Hogan. Rex Hogan was the number two in command in the Jets front office after Joe Douglas. It appears that this happened a couple of weeks ago, according to Rich Semini over at ESPN. Weird timing based on what we're going to talk about next. You saw people tweeting about how Rex Hogan is well-respected in league circles. A lot of times I feel like when you see a lot of reporters tweet that, that's just code for he talks to reporters a lot. But Rex Hogan is out as the number two for Joe Douglas. Maybe this means that somebody like Chad Alexander moves up. I don't know. Maybe they hire somebody else. But as they say in WWE, best of luck in Rex Hogan's future endeavors, which Actually, is sort of apropos considering that his last name is Hogan. And what you going to do, brother, when Rex Hogan invades your front office? Yeah, listen, the Rex Hogan thing, I know the team is saying, or, you know, Rich Samini's reporting it was decided weeks ago, thousand hours in a year. And it just so happens that Rex Hogan gets let go within about an hour of that story breaking. I mean, the odds of that are just astronomical. I mean, is it possible? Certainly it's possible. Um, is it likely? No. Um, clearly something happened here that the team wasn't happy about. Um, and it, listen, even if it didn't, right? I mean, Rex Hogan is a guy. He's he's never had a hard time finding work. He was with the Jets before. Soon as he was let go, he went to the Colts, came right back to the Jets. So he's not a guy who's had a hard time finding a job. He's going to find another one. But the timing is weird, not only because of the story, but the draft is, what, 90-some days away. And he's your second in command. 
So you're going to now let him go. What if he goes to a division, not even a division rival? What if he goes to a team that's going to have similar interests to, to, to the Jets? And they say, oh, we love this guy. And Rex Hogan goes, well, then you better move up because the Jets really like him and they're picking a few spots ahead of us. You're going to let a high-ranking lieutenant leave your organization within 90 days of the NFL draft? That makes no sense at all. You at least well, – the draft is over and then let him go. So that whole situation – makes no sense on so many levels. But even without that, even without the Rex Hogan thing, there's the, you know, the story that, well, you can, of course, intro that and, and break down your thoughts on the, the Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt story, which is really what probably triggered the Hogan thing. And we can get into that a little more. Well, I should say that Rex Hogan does have a reputation for having a big mouth. So it is kind of interesting that he would be announced as departing the organization on the same day that this story breaks from The Athletic from Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt. And it's sort of like when Tim Boyle was let go right after that Zach Wilson story he dropped. So everybody assumed that Tim Boyle was the leak, even though Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt said they had multiple sources. In this story, Zach Rosenblatt and Diana Rossini had 30 sources. I would guess that Rex Hogan was probably one of those sources. But anyway, what happened in this story is it was essentially tearing down the coaching staff. It made Robert Sella out to be this guy who threw up his hands and more or less gave up on the season once Aaron Rodgers was out. The interesting one to me was that he apparently did research on coaches who were able to have winning seasons without their starting quarterback, and the only one who had been able to do it consistently was Mike Tomlin, which proves, as I've said many times, that Tomlin is an outstanding coach, and if he had become available, the Jets should have done whatever they could to get him. He's not available. He's staying in Pittsburgh, but you get the point. And as far as Nathaniel Hackett, it painted him as a guy that was in way over his head, wasn't really doing preparation for these games had been exposed as a guy who was more or less just a friend of Aaron Rodgers, which is why Woody Johnson was talked into okaying, hiring him as the offensive coordinator even before the Jets got Rodgers because they figured if they had Nathaniel Hackett, then it would help lure Aaron Rodgers. And speaking of Rodgers, it made Rodgers out to be essentially the puppet master for everything. Nothing really gets done without his approval. All these moves were done because they were trying to appease him. And while the teammates were sort of tired of how Robert Sala and everybody in the building were fawning over Rodgers, they did acknowledge that when he was in the building, it helped a lot. And also seeing him practice at the end of the season helped everybody get encouraged for 2024, which is what we had said at the time. And so ultimately, Glenn, what I come back to here is that we didn't really learn anything outside of some specifics that we didn't realistically already believe to be true. We all knew that Robert Sala more or less threw up his hands and gave up once Aaron Rodgers went out. It was very apparent. According to the article, Sala thought that if he could get to seven wins, he would be able to save his job. It is frustrating that Robert Sala would mentally quit at that point or basically give up on the idea of even trying to chase the playoffs if that's true but realistically we all sort of knew what this team was going to be once Rodgers went down which is if they got super lucky they might be in the thick of the playoff race but barring that they were probably going to be something close to what they were last year especially since Glenn as we talked about they didn't make a ton of improvements around Aaron Rodgers. And so if Rodgers went down, you were looking at more or less the same roster that the Jets had last season. Nathaniel Hackett, we all knew that 
he really didn't know what he was doing and he was just there as a favor to Rogers and he was just Rogers pal and all of that. Maybe we didn't know exactly how ill prepared he was, but what it comes back to is, and this was alluded to in the article, when Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback, it really doesn't matter that Nathaniel Hackett is the play caller and the offensive coordinator because Rodgers is just going to check out of all the dumb stuff that Hackett calls anyway. The problem arises when anybody other than Rodgers is behind center, and this is something we saw last year. It's certainly something we saw in Denver as well because Russell Wilson really struggled in Denver under Nathaniel Hackett. He wasn't anywhere close to what he was in Seattle once Hackett was gone and Sean Payton came in, but there was a noticeable difference. Russell Wilson was at least a solid starter last year. He wasn't worth anywhere close to what they were paying him, which is why they chose to cut bait now instead of waiting a little while longer. But he was definitely significantly better than he was under Nathaniel Hackett. So that got exposed. And then the part about Rodgers more or less running things, we all sort of knew that. There was the line from an anonymous rival AFC GM who said that Joe Douglas is the assistant general manager to Aaron Rodgers. We've all sort of made that joke at one time or another. So, yeah, there were some damning things in there. But overall, I didn't really think it was that big of a deal because if you didn't expect that most of what was said in this article was what happened, I feel like you weren't really paying attention this season. Yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Scott. I, but what jumped out to me and what was, I don't know if concerning is the right word, damning, aggravating, is is some of the specifics that made it work. Like, there is the stuff that we knew that we've all talked about. We've all talked about Hackett not really deserving this job and being a guy who, you know, he, he's sort of legacy, Nepo, whatever you want to call it. His dad was a coordinator. He gets jobs as coordinators, even though he's not a good one. Um, but, for example, to hear that, not only is he bad at his job, but he wasn't really putting forth any effort, um, you know, doing whatever he wanted. And then but not meeting with his coaches to game plan or let them know what the game plan was until late in the week. Like th- that's just gross malpractice and negligence. And I don't know if it's cockiness, arrogance, stupidity. I don't know why he's doing it. Maybe he just feels like Aaron's got my back, so I don't have to show up to work because I'm safe no matter what. Um, so it's like, it, is he bad? Yes, we knew he was bad. Did we knew he was negligent and, and you know, basically committing malpractice? We didn't really know that. Um, again, we knew he was dumb, but this is sort of another level. As far as Salah, like, you know, I've I've gotten to the point where I, I understand he's he's prioritizing friendships and relationships over everything else. Like, whether it's wanting to maintain his relationship with his offensive line coach or with, you know, he didn't want to let LaFleur go. He was forced to do so by Woody because LaFleur is his good friend. He wants to save his friendship with Joe Beningo. Like, friendship is a very important thing to him. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of view him now as, like, not, like, nice guy. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not a good person, but as sort of a weak leader. And to know he's not just a weak leader, but a guy who is actually taking the time to read and worry about what the media is saying about the Jets versus the Giants. And people have said, I've said it, he's not wrong, but that is not something that should be on his radar. Like, is it okay if it's something he notices and says, oh, well, that that doesn't seem right? Yeah, fine, but then move on. To harp on it and complain to your friends about it and coaches that, how come they're mean to me and they're not mean to the Giants? Like, you got to get over that, dude. Like, grow up, thicker skin, 
Sorry, that's life, but move on. Um, and that and the threatening to take assistance phones away because of, you know, who's leaking stories. It just the, the article did paint him or describe him as paranoid. And it really did come across that way. So I feel like it reinforced some of the things we knew, but it showed us why they were actually worse than that. And I, it, it's worrying. And I'm like, I'm at a point where. I'm looking beyond next year. Like, I don't see this team winning anything with Robert Sala. I think the season will be a failure. He'll get fired, and then they'll move on from there. Um, Joe Douglas was spared somewhat in the article, but really, it's not the greatest, especially in this profession where, you know, it, there are so many alpha male personalities to come out and say, this guy doesn't actually hold the position that you're going to see in the media guide. Like, he's been, you know, um, you know, I don't know, had his powers stripped in favor of Aaron Rodgers. Now, of course, that's not 100% accurate, but we do know that Joe Douglas had to go out and get Aaron Rodgers and then use five more roster spots on his friends who weren't good football players. So every GM in the NFL has got a 53-man roster. In all reality, Joe Douglas was allowed to pick 47 guys and then Aaron and his buddies. So, you know, we talked about this on our show just a few minutes ago on – myself, Dylan Terman, and Chris Schubert, this has, Joe Douglas has to, and I believe what Chris said was that he had listened to Zach Rosenblatt's pod earlier in the day, and what Zach Rosenblatt had said, and many of us have said it since the season ended, Joe Douglas needs to reclaim his position and say, look, Aaron, if you want to, you know, throw a couple names at guys you like, and I'll look at them fine, but I'm putting the roster together, and I'm not adding every single player you want because a lot of them aren't good at football. And I need to save my job and try to get this team into the playoffs, which, again, I don't think is going to happen. But Joe Douglas needs to put his foot down and be the guy who's making all of the decisions, not most of them with Aaron Rodgers chipping in. Should say, Glenn, our good buddy John Grella, who, of course, was director of communications for the Tampa Bay Bucks for three years. I call him the Dakota ring because anytime stuff like this happens, I'll shoot him a text and we'll chop it up about the subject. He always jokes that I've learned so much from him that I almost don't need him anymore. But I texted him and I said, the front office barely got touched in this one. Got to figure that a lot of the sources for this were from the front office trying to absolve themselves and put all the blame on the coaching staff. And he texted me back, very good. Like I said, you almost don't even need me anymore. So if you think about it, as John always says, you got to play a game of Clue if you want to know where the leaks are coming from. Who do the leaks benefit and who do they hurt? They benefit the front office by making the coaching staff look really bad and pushing all the blame onto them. And they hurt the coaching staff. So I think you're starting to see a real fracture here between Salah and his guys and Joe Douglas and his guys. And that's never good. So hopefully they figure out a way to fix this. Otherwise, we could get into some dangerous territory because Josina Anderson put out a tweet, and I'm not entirely sure what she means, but it almost sounds like Robert Sala and his guys are really upset about the leak to Diana Rossini and Zach Rosenblatt, and they may respond in kind or that there may be some ill will between the two sides. Who knows? I guess we'll see where this goes. But it's never a good thing when you see this kind of fracture between the front office and the coaching staff, especially with such an important offseason coming up for the Jets. And a big part of that offseason, Glenn, is going to include the draft. And as we say, the draft begins in Mobile. Day number three down there for you. The second day of practices. Take us through what you saw. Yeah, so... um. You know, people, just because of the nature of this game thing and this game, people always want to ask about the quarterbacks. Um, I can say pretty confidently, nobody has really 
stood out among the quarterbacks. The the and and it's not it's not just myself saying it. I'm seeing other people on Twitter being asked what they're seeing out of the QBs, and it's a lot of meh. You know, nothing nothing really jumping out. I will say, and I think I mentioned it yesterday, Carter Bradley, uh, the South Alabama, probably the least known guy, um, has looked better than anybody at, at certain points. And it could be because my expectations of him are so low. But I said it yesterday, and then again today, he ripped a couple of completions right down the middle of the field to Anaya Smith at Texas A&M. So he's, he's making some impressive throws. He did have a completion under pressure off his back foot toward the sideline. Um, didn't get a lot on it, but got enough to get it to the receiver. So he's done some good things. The others, the, the Bo Nix, the Michael Penix, Spencer Rattler, like Michael Pratt, none of them, and Joe Milton, another one, none of them have really done anything, you know, other than the very rare flash. None of them have done anything consistently. Sam Hartman, of course, another one. They're not really standing out. So for anyone wondering about the quarterbacks, I'll just say they're not doing a whole lot to impress. And that seems to be the general consensus of uh, of the folks who are down here um, today. Now, yesterday, I, I can't remember if I mentioned this yesterday, Scott. My focus yesterday was the trenches. I watched the D-line and the O-line. I mean, I watch as much as I can, but focus was on the O-line and D-line. With my my partner co-host Dylan Terman, we flipped that today. He did offensive line, defensive line, and I watched primarily receivers and uh, and corners. So I'll have a little bit of everything, but my primary focus was there. So and tight ends as well. So Theo Johnson from Penn State, um, quick feet, quick out of his breaks, um, was caught the ball better than I expected. Looked like he could be a you know a, a sleeper at tight end because he's not a guy honestly that I've heard a whole lot about leading up to this point. Um, AJ Barner is a guy who looked really good yesterday, tight end from Michigan. Looked really good early on in practice. They did have a couple of drops after a strong start, but another tight end who I think is one of the better blockers in the group and um, and just has to show we can catch the ball. He he may end up being a day three primarily just a blocking tight end. Um, you know, who doesn't see a lot of a lot of targets? Isaiah Adams, a guy that I mentioned leading up to the draft and last year, I think I may have mentioned him yesterday as well. He, I actually had a chance to speak to him after practice at the the media event. Um, you know, he talked about the importance of of being able to go against Johnny Newton. For those of you who aren't familiar, he's the best defensive tackle in this class. He's not at the Senior Bowl, but of course Isaiah Adams would have had a chance to work across from him. Adams played guard last year, started out at guard this year, then tr- at left guard, transitioned to right tackle. Um, you know, he said that was a decision he made mutually with the coaches where it was out of at his out of necessity. And he said he would be happy to do it. Feels more comfortable at guard, but feels like the time at tackle has benefited him. Like I said, he had he had a really good practice today. Cole Bishop. I can't even remember if I mentioned him to you yesterday. I know I talked about him on our show, the safety from Utah. Not the biggest guy, but had, a you know has quite a few plays where he's getting in the middle of things. He's breaking passes up. He's the coverage is tight, you know, especially today when I saw him matching up against the tight ends, he did a really good job in coverage. So this is a guy I didn't really watch pre-draft and he's, he's kind of opened my eyes down here a little bit. We've got Marshawn Lloyd, most, most fans, well, you know, those who follow the draft familiar with him, really good running back out of USC. He had some impressive runs today. Tanner Bordellini, who I mentioned yesterday on our show, is he probably had the worst day of any of the offensive linemen on day one, especially in the one-on-ones. 
Um, he was just getting driven back into the pocket easily. He bounced back today and had a solid effort. And, you know, you listen to former GMs and coaches and what they look for at the, at, at the, at, during the senior bowl. And one of the biggest things they look for is like noticeable improvement from day one to day two to day three. Cause that means they're taking on board the coaching, they're processing it and they're getting better. Um, so was yesterday the aberration or was today the aberration? I don't know, but Bordellini looked like a different player from day one to day two. So he's one to keep an eye on. Tez Walker, the wide receiver, who a lot of people, myself included, had some really high hopes for. He's had a bunch of drops. I counted two today. Um, again, Dylan, having watched the receivers yesterday and a little bit today, said that he's counted four in the two days he's been here, which is a bit of a surprise because I don't really remember that being an issue in college um, for him. Sam Hartman, again, the QBs haven't looked good. He's used his legs a little bit more than I expected to. You know, he's not um, he's not exactly Lamar Jackson, but he does run it a little bit a little bit better than I than I thought he would. And Roman Wilson, it's been the Roman Wilson show down here. If you're following the Senior Bowl on Twitter, you saw the absolute ridiculous catch here and he's been making he's been catching everything you know probably called the deepest deep ball of the day yesterday catching everything that comes his way but the play he had today in a one-on-one sort of a uh an individual drill right in the middle of the field as practice was closing out and he was running he he, um he broke toward the right sideline was getting the, the pass was up to his left or sorry up to his right he's falling out of bounds he's falling one way sticks his arm out the other way in the opposite direction and pulls the ball in with one hand as his leg and, and his backside land in bounds. So it would have been a good catch. Absolutely. Not just the play of the day, the play of the, uh, of, of day one and two. And we probably won't see anything better than that. Roman Wilson has been an absolute stud as has Ricky Pearsall, who, um, funny enough, if you watch much college football, you would have seen this past season that Ricky Pearsall probably made the best catch of the year. Um, for Florida with with Roman Wilson having made it today at the Senior Bowl, the best of the Senior Bowl. So both these guys have been absolutely lighting it up. Um, and 11 on 11s doesn't feel like Pearsall is getting a ton of targets, but every time you see him, he's getting open. So he's doing a really good job. Uh, Chris Abrams drained this for the that that was all national team. That was that was um, Jeff Ulbricht's squad. Now moving over to the American team. Uh, cornerback Mizzou cornerback Chris Abrams drain he had himself a really nice day got active got a couple a couple pass breakups Johnny Wilson the Florida State receiver who we've talked about six foot six plus listed at six seven I believe he measured in at just over six six when he got here you see it on film you see it on you know when you watch the games and it was evident today just ridiculous footwork and ability to change direction for a guy his size players that big aren't supposed to be able to do that but he did have at least one more drop today had a ton of drops during the season so that is a concern but the rare freakish ability to get open at his size is going to make him a guy that somebody takes a chance on um ray davis uh a running back out of kentucky he had another one of the uh he had another highlight reel grab. It was just one-on-ones. It wasn't 11 on 11, but the ball was overthrown as he was turning to catch it, and he was able to elevate, extend, fully extend with one hand as he was falling to the ground and pull the ball down in the middle of the field, drew plenty of oohs and ahs from the crowd. Cody Schrader, running back from Mizzou, another, you know, they, they've got some good players down here. He had a couple of really good runs, shows a little bit more wiggle than I'd noticed when I watched him on film. So, um, you know, just just a, a small aspect of his game that I'd overlooked. And it looks like he's a little bit more adept than I realized. Lad McConkey, 
does what Lad McConkey does. He just get op- he just gets open all the time. He's a guy that I think his forty is going to be play a big role in determining where he goes. And I'd I'd be surprised if he doesn't run a sub four four four, um, a sub four four forty. Um, sorry, a sub four four five forty, not a sub four four forty. Naomi Pritchett had a good day. The cornerback from Auburn. He's a guy that I. I feel like I've been watching him for six or seven years. He's been in college forever. Auburn product, really a few of the Auburn DBs made big plays today. And he was one of them, provided really good coverage. Um, Jaquan Jackson, the two-lane wide receiver, not a lot of connections on deep balls today, but he hauled in two of them. Um, He was able to get open regularly, was able to beat corners. He lined up outside. You know, he's a smaller guy, but they lined him up on the boundary, and he was able to get behind the defense a couple times. So some really impressive work from him. I mentioned the uh, Carter Bradley passes to Anaya Smith. Those were back-to-back plays, just zipped right down the middle, got back on the ball, and did it again. So a um, little bit of chemistry between those two. And Anaya Smith, he's one to watch. He he can play a little bit of running back. He did that at Penn State. He can line up a wide receiver. I don't know where teams view him or, you know, what teams, which teams envision him where, but he's going to be a versatile piece on offense, which, you know, I, I look at him and I know Miami took Devin A. Chain last year, but I look at his speed and versatility and I think Mike McDaniel would love to have that guy. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Glenn, after practice, a lot of these players spoke. I saw Talis Fuaga, the offensive tackle from Oregon State, 
was asked about the possibility of playing with Aaron Rodgers, and he said it would be awesome to play with a future Hall of Famer like him. I'm sure that was music to Jets fans' ears. Also saw that Patrick Paul, the offensive tackle from Houston, who I've said would be an ideal target for the Jets in round two if they can get themselves a second-round pick, will be meeting with the Jets tomorrow. What else happened during these interviews after practice today? Well, we got the, we got the opportunity today to... Uh to head to the hotel or the sorry the convention center after practice and uh and they had all the players there so we got to, we got the opportunity to speak to a handful of guys um spoke to Brevin Brevin Spanford who's someone I should have mentioned really in talking about guys who played well today he's the biggest tight end there he's six foot seven I believe he's 265 266 um huge guy thought he was going to come out last year Really liked his game at Minnesota. Saw a drop in production this season, but I think the quarterback play had a bit of a drop off. And just asked him, you know, what what made you decide to go back to college as a guy who, you know, played as well as you did last year? And he just said that, you know, he believes in what they're doing in Minnesota. Had a good relationship with the coaches, with his teammates, and that kind of what made him want to stay behind. Which I always I always have respect for guys who do that because there's a lot of dudes who just they're at college to do what they have to do to become a draft prospect, and they bail as soon as they can. So uh, Span Ford said that's why he hung around. Also spoke with Bennett Jackson, who's a uh, an edge guy out of Washington State. Talked to him about what they're building there because if unless you're familiar, um, or for those who, who don't know, they've got a lot of really good players there on the defensive side of the ball who have been who were drafted last year. They're gonna, they're going to have a bunch drafted this year and probably some guys next year too. Um, and he just talked about you know. The best thing about going to Washington State has been the amount of improvement he's had under that coaching staff, and he feels like his he's developed more as a pass rusher, and his hands have gotten much better, um, a much stronger punch. And he's a guy that I I don't know why, and and maybe I'm just maybe I've watched enough of him that I have a bias, but I feel like he's absolutely a draftable prospect. And I look at things like Pro Football Network and some of these draft sites, and they've got him ranked as like a barely draftable guy. I'd be really surprised if Brennan Jackson doesn't hear his name called come draft time. Also uh, jumped in on a Jeff Albrick interview, was able to ask him one question, um, which was just basically, you know, you're here as a defensive coordinator. Obviously the Jets have plenty of uh, plenty of, of needs on the offensive side of the ball. You know, how can your role as a DC now as a head coach here, but watching the offensive guys, how can that be beneficial? And the answer was kind of textbook, kind of what I expected, basically saying, you know, as a defensive coordinator, while I'm here, I'm looking at guys and trying to envision who would I have a hard time stopping, who would be a hard guy to game plan for. And as you would expect, he said he's, you know, he has seen some guys down here that fit that description. So, you know, I I don't think you always need a guy who works that side of the ball to evaluate players. I think there is some value if you have a good enough DC who can recognize a talented offensive player just as well as an offensive coach could. So, um, that was it from Albrick. Um, also spoke to Luke McCaffrey, who, you know, we've discussed him a couple times recently. He had himself another solid day at practice today and just talked to him about how, you know, some of some of some aspects of his game, specifically the the, you know, the downfield blocking and that the the hard nosed mentality that you see from him and how much of that comes from his dad. And, you know, he it's funny. And, you know, I'm I'm old enough to remember his dad playing, but he's not. You know, he said he never saw his dad play. It's just he's watched, you know, old film or old, you know, old copies of of games that his dad played in. But he he does say that he's 
tries to take some of what his dad did and um while he makes this transition because he started his college career as a quarterback so he's making that switch to wide receiver um also spoke with a guy who i'm sure a lot of jets fans aren't familiar with um Wake Forest safety Malik Mustafa. This guy, it, it's real. It was weird to do the interview because he's not the biggest guy, but if you watch him, you know that he hits like a truck. And then you meet him and you stand up, and you know I'm not a big dude, and he's only a couple inches taller than me. And it's you know you watch him on film and you just envision, okay, this dude must be a really you know five eleven guy, five you know maybe six foot. And um, and he's not. He's probably five nine, five eight, and but big time hitter. He can cover in the on the back end, and that you know that's something that jumped out at me is he's not just a box guy, but he can cover, and he covers a lot of ground. Um, you know when when Wake Forest asks him to cover the deep half. So I believe I could be mistaken. Don't hold me to it. I believe he said he's met with the Jets. Um, that could be me thinking that because I I did say to him the Jets do have a needed safety, and uh, your versatility could make you a, a valuable piece. Asked him how he would feel about playing the slot. He said, you know, what he, he said basically he doesn't want to come off the field and he understands it with, it with it being a passing league. He could go to a team that asks him to be a chess piece where that would be part of the expectations for him, which he'd be happy to do. Um, last guy I'll mention won't be a Jets target because he will not be there when the Jets pick. Darius Robinson out of Missouri. He's a guy who I, I watched a few, well, probably two months ago. I was watching a bunch of Mizzou film. And this dude just kept making play after play after play. Offensive lineman had a really tough time blocking him. He was lining up at DT. He was lining up at the edge. They had him standing up. They had him with his hand in the dirt. And the guys just, and to, to see him, maybe just from a physical, like, you know, we use the term physical specimen, right? Of all the guys I saw there, he was probably, you know, what does Pat McAfee say? Uh, jocked. You know, this guy was was absolutely, absolutely ripped. And you can see why offensive linemen have a hard time blocking him. In fact, Jim Nagy tweeted out last night um, that anyone counting this kid out of the first round would change their mind if they heard the comp that coaches, that senior bowl coaches offered him on Robinson after just one day of practice. So uh, those are the guys I had the chance to speak to. Some good players, some guys who I hope land with the Jets. I would love a Malik Mustafa. Uh, again, McCaffrey is a guy, if you can get him a little bit later on, he could be a really great value pick. So some good players out there today. Um, you know, everyone was cordial, professional during the during the interviews, which was great. Uh, we actually didn't even hang back for the on-field interviews today because we knew there was going to be kind of a race to the convention center to set up there. So And the availability there would be much more relaxed and and. And more, it'd be easier to get the players you wanted. Glenn Naughton, editor, JetNation.com. Thanks so much for coming on and talking about day number three at Mobile for the Senior Bowl. Of course, it's the second day of practices. We'll do this again tomorrow for the third day of practices. Follow Glenn on Twitter at JNRadio underscore Glenn and check out what he's doing at JetNation.com. Check out everything we're doing at PlayLikeAJet.com and be sure to give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes. If you haven't done that already, easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. It doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and playlikeajet.com. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.